Welcome to episode 12 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, along here with... Eric Sanchez. How are you, Eric? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Before the show started, we got into an argument about closing doors, which was kind of funny. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I asked Eric to close the door, and he closed it, but he didn't close it all the way. And then I yelled at him for figuring out... the dog it. gate, I over overclosed it. You overclosed it. <laughs> anyway, it's enough about door closing for today. Before we get started, guys, as always, follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. Find us on SoundCloud. Search Positively Pro Wrestling or on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can also shoot us an email to PPWPodcast at gmail.com. Today's show, we're going to talk about forgotten WrestleMania matches. And there's a little bit of a criteria for this because the only criteria Eric and I talked about before the show was we have to make sure that we haven't talked about the match on our show before. So there may be some like forgotten matches that we did talk about before that won't make this show, uh, but we we figured we were we kind of thought we were talking about the same ones over and over again. So we're gonna do our forgotten matches, and they'll be important to us for whatever reason, for because we like the story, the build up, the actual match, or anything else like that. We also have an interview coming up today in the second half of the show with Kerry, who you probably know better as the Squared Circle guy. He's always sitting front row camera side at WWE shows in the black Squared Circle t-shirt. If you've ever been to the Squared Circle in Chicago, it's a wrestling-themed restaurant owned by former WWE Women's Champion Victoria. Also, she was in Tina and Tara, right? Um, yeah, it was Tara. Yeah, it had to have been. Uh, and yeah, so he's got awesome stories because he has been to every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 17 in a row. Yeah, they've got really good food. I was up there last summer. Great food, and they have adult milkshakes. So you get a milkshake, boozed up. <laughs> but overall, the food's really good. Yeah, and it's, and I think I mentioned it in the interview. I talked to people. So this will air tomorrow. Today's Tuesday. It'll air Wednesday. If you are in the Chicagoland area or anywhere around here and you're looking for somewhere to go for WrestleMania, just come to my house. No, I'm just kidding. I've come to my house. <laughs> uh, but if you want to go to the Squared Circle, they're doing a thing where you can reserve the table for 20 bucks, and or it might be per person. I'm not sure. Check the website. Just Google the Squared Circle. And what's awesome about that is, you know, when bars for big events, for wrestling or for boxing, they get packed, this guarantees you your spot. There's TVs everywhere. They're doing giveaways. They're going to be food specials. Going to have the audio on. Victoria's going to be there walking around. So check out the Squared Circle in Chicago if you're from here, or anywhere with a reasonable driving distance if you can't be at WrestleMania the show itself. The memorabilia is really cool too on the wall. I think they have uh, you know a couple of uh, Victoria's outfits and Undertaker's gloves, and there's some Kelly Kelly stuff. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, where we were sitting, that's the stuff yeah. I saw. But it's it's really nice how they decorated it too. Yeah, I, I like talking with Kerry a lot, too, because he had so many cool stories being at so many different WrestleManias. And he also gives 
he, like he basically says it's not a secret how to get these tickets. You just have to be persistent beyond there. And he's, mm-hmm. we both kind of laugh that because on sometimes on forums and things like that, people will say, "Oh, the WWE pays those fans <laughs> to sit front row." Why? I, I no one's able to answer this. Okay, why would WWE pay people to sit in the most expensive seats they're going to go anywhere? Just that people are going to sit there anyway. You're right. giving money away. Uh, but he's always front row, and we'll be sure to check him out. He's got some awesome stories, which we will get into as soon as we start this show this yeah. week. And WWE shows aren't shows anymore where you have to paper the building. And paper the building meaning you give away tickets or you give away this just to make it look full. Like mm-hmm. other things that are on TV look full because they're free seats. Like what? Or, uh, well, Impact Wrestling is all free. Oh, is it, well, yeah, so, that's that's like – that's are they still in the – like Universal yeah, Studios? Universal Studios, yeah. Well, that'll be interesting this year because WWE is going to be there and for WrestleMania, so I'm sure TNA will be around. Yeah. I'm sure they're doing a show or a meet and greet with wrestlers, but it's not TNA anymore. It's Impact Wrestling. Correct. I watched the first episode of it. It was kind of silly. It's uh, Last year was really bad. The only thing, the only good thing that I thought came out of it was the Broken Hardys. I thought that was... Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked the gimmick. I like... It's just a totally different from the Hardy Boys, which I thought was getting stale. The... Yeah. What do they call it? Like the uh, death-defying moves and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Was just, Plus, they're getting older, too. They can't be doing yeah. that. And when they wrestled, they're they're not nearly as good as they used to be in the ring. So I think just the gimmick itself was just, just an amazing transformation. Yeah. I, I count it a little bit. Like I said before in the show, I don't watch really Impact or TNA. I'm pretty much all mainly WWE. A little bit of ROH when I have time, if I remember when it's on. Indie stuff here and there, if I catch it, if it's local. But I'm mostly WWE current product, past product type of thing. Yeah, same with me. All right, so let's get started again. These are our forgotten WrestleMania matches. Might not be ones that are advertised a lot or are showing the video packages about the greatest matches, but they're they're fun in their own right. We're going to kind of go back and forth. So I'll start. And my first match was from WrestleMania 22. It was the World Heavyweight Championship match between Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, and champion at the time, Kurt Angle. I think this match kind of gets forgotten because it's so short of a match. They, they yeah, it's really content. not that long. It's like nine minutes. Yeah, there's some matches that we have that I think are memorable but aren't that long of matches. Yeah, this match, when I watched it again, I real I have some notes on it. Like, they don't it's, they don't stop. It's it's just spot, spot, spot. Go, yeah. go, 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 go. Awesome, I thought it was an awesome exciting mode. match. Really yeah. competitive. And did you watch, I don't know if you watched it, the pre-match like hype video before it or no? Um, On that one, no. So basically... Quick summary, this is in 2006, uh, Eddie Guerrero passed away uh, in 2005, and Rey Mysterio won the Rumble at number one. Randy Orton was taunting Rey, saying, Eddie's not in heaven, he's in hell. <laughs> A little intense there, <laughs> so he yeah. just died. And so he tricks, essentially, Rey into putting his championship match up in a match. He loses, Randy Orton cheats by pulling the tights, Teddy Long comes out, and Puts Ray back in the match to this triple threat. Restart this match, player. With the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. It's a tag team match. <laughs> Hall of Famer this year, too. Yeah. Well, that would make sense why, there, why I saw signs where it says, do it for Eddie. Okay, yeah, it would. And so the match starts um, really hot, fast and furious. We'll get into that in a second. During the during the build, they talk, Angle basically is like, I'm the wrestling machine, you're not going to beat me, he's the champ. I wasn't watching SmackDown at all during this time. This was just when I was starting to get back into wrestling a little bit, so I was kind of only half even watching Raw. Watching this hype video kind of made me wish I did watch it because it seemed like Rey Mysterio 
was crazy over. It's like, okay, it's his time. You've got to push it. You got yeah, to push he was, it. He was at his peak. Like everything he did was flawless and it looked amazing. And the people that he wrestled sold what he was doing. So mm-hmm. Hurricane Ronas didn't look like shit. Um, drop kicks from the top rope and, and uh, splashes, 450, all this kind of stuff that he did looked really crisp. Yeah. And what was also cool about this match was the entrances. Ray I, was, loved, <laughs> I loved Ray's entrance. His POD. Oh, no, not the saw, how he came out okay. in the Aztec. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Because he came out, for, for, he first he came out his normal pop-up through the trapdoor stage. Yeah. And then he walked back up on top of the huge set and rocked out with P.O.D. with his Aztec. <laughs> Shitty P.O.D. <laughs> they're like, booyaka, booyaka. Right. They're great on CD, but live, I don't think they're that good. Yeah, at least big, at that show, I didn't think they were Big P.O.D. Good. fan, are yeah, you? There was too much going on. Like, too many people singing and just music uh-huh. overlapping one another. Like, it was so out of tune. I mean, out of timing. The fan favorite at, at this show at WrestleMania that night was Kurt Angle. Like, did you notice that watching the match? Like, people were mostly on into him. Not really. I was just more impressed with how Ray was going. Yeah, it's, like it's like we said, the match starts. It's suplexes. It's RKO's. It's six one nines. It's everything. And there, there's ankle locks and there's finishers and false finishers, and they do a lot in their their short amount of time. And I I believe their match time got cut at like the last minute. I don't know if okay. that's for sure, if it was originally booked to be this short. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense that it would be. I mean, they probably could have cut like Booker T and the Boogeyman or something from this show or give these guys a few more minutes. But you add on five more minutes, this is like an instant classic match. But since it's so short, it kind of gets forgotten, I think. Yeah. Did you? What did you think of the finish? Did you, I assume you watched it, like the finish of the match, where it was Rey Mysterio. He hits this, a 619 on Randy. Yeah, right? but yeah. then when he, hits this, when he goes for the... West Coast Pop, um, the springboard, he actually does a Hurricane Rana off the West Coast Pop. Okay. Which I had never seen before. I'm sure he'd done it, but normally the West Coast Pop was just he jumps springboards, does kind of a... Is that where he does the trap pin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. So he does he does the Hurricane Rana. Kurt Angle kind of gets thrown to the side, and he's kind of just last second trying to get in. Yeah. And despite everyone wanting Kurt to win, I thought, Ray's pop was huge. And on the... The podcast I've referenced before called The Laps Fan, when they had Dave Meltzer on talking about this, he said Vince McMahon was like, no, we can't do it. I'm not going to make him the world champion. He's too small. And people just kept pushing him. He's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And he's like, all right, we'll pull the trigger on it. So he did it. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I have to say about this match. It's fun, fast. Definitely check it out because it's, it's short. It's an eight, eight nine-minute match. Top to bottom, that they, they don't stop. Like if you're like a person that loves spots fest, basically, this match is for you. Yeah, it's a really good match. I'd recommend it. All right, what do you got? Um, one of my first manias that I watched was WrestleMania Seven, and I was a big Heart Foundation fan because I liked Brett, I liked Anvil. Anvil was a crazy guy who was pulling on his yeah. um, <laughs> his little goatee. Like he's just his nuts. Con- his condom hat. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brett was just like this cool guy, and I knew he was a technician. He was to me like the wrestler, like the wrestler wrestler. The other guys were just kind of either brawlers or they were just, I would say, garbage. That's the cool thing about the Heart Foundation at the time. They were the only, one of the only tag teams where they didn't look similar. Like think of all the tag teams at the time. There was Demolition, yeah. Legion, Doom, the Rujos, the Killer Bees, Nasty Boys. They all kind of had the similar look. Brett and Anvil were complete opposites. Yeah, and then uh, well, I really liked them coming in. And then there was this other team, the Nasty Boys, and I kind of liked them, but they were just so gross and nasty with the pity city in the armpit and just, you know, blowing snots on was me and Gene's, uh, what do they call Handkerchief. That? Handkerchief. And just, be, just being nasty, you know. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Jimmy Hart was their manager, and 
We forget that Jimmy Hart was so cool with like his uh, airbrushing and the graphics. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, every one of his guys had their own airbrush yeah. jacket, and I think they show some of them off at Access at WrestleMania. But I was watching a, something on the network when he was managing Earthquake. He had a full Earthquake jacket. Like, where is that? Where's yeah. the Earthquake jacket? Right. I want to see it. <laughs> he had so many cool jackets, and I think this is the only time or the first. Well, I know the first time it's got to be. He came out with a helmet, and I'm like, "Why is he wearing a helmet? Because it's it's not really they're not coming out on motorcycles or anything like that. Because to me, it's a motorcycle helmet. It was, yeah. So <clears throat> the helmet comes into play. Well, later was the on. helmet airbrushed too? Yeah. Okay. It said like nasty boys or something on the side. Uh huh. Um, but you got three brawlers in my opinion. You got uh, Jerry Sags, Brian Nobbs, and uh, Nightheart, and then the technician of Brett. Um, just back and forth, good matches, clotheslines, uh, good tag team work between the two teams. Yeah. And then towards the end, it just gets to where everything starts getting out of hand. Uh, Heart Foundation hits the heart attack on, I think, Knobs. Referee gets distracted trying to get Brett out of the match. Jimmy Hart throws his uh, helmet into it, uh -huh. knocks out Anvil, and they win the tag titles. Now, he didn't actually, he didn't, <laughs> to clarify, he didn't just throw the helmet at him and hit him in the head. No, he threw it up and... Someone uh, caught it yeah. hit and swung it. Sags yeah. caught it and hit the guy okay. and hit Anvil in the head. But I was just so mad because <laughs> I, I didn't see Nasty Boys as being tag team champions. Yeah, this had to have been a pretty big upset in the fans' eyes at the time, right? Yeah. Well, I was younger, and it was one of my first manias. I loved the Heart Foundation. I didn't like the Nasty Boys at the time, but... I'm older now, so I thought they were cool now. Um, but yeah, I was I was pissed. Yeah, this I remember too watching, and I'm like, it's just kind of the foregone conclusion that the Heart Foundation was going to win. It's like, yeah, they'll beat them. Yeah, but it made sense because they were separating the Heart Foundation and they were going off into their or Bret Hart into a singles push, and the Nasty Boys ended up turning babyface pretty soon after this. They lost the title to Legion of Doom at SummerSlam that year. Yeah, and pretty awesome. It's a squash match, but it's an awesome squash match. And then eventually they turn babyface by turning against Jimmy Hart, and they kind of have a little singles run, end up going to WCW, and that's the last we see of them, I believe. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Hart played a lot in, as far as the managers. Like, he was the, I don't know, just the, I think all the managers were pretty much bad guys back then. You know, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, I can't think of a good guy manager back then. Mm -mm. Especially in 1991. Unless you have like a little mascot like Tugboat with Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Your buddy well, Tugboat. <laughs> but when I think of like a collage of like classic wrestling guys, Jimmy Hart's on the list. Yeah, I think he is. He's, um, I don't know, he's a great manager. I met him at uh, Access. Super nice guy. Mm -hmm. He's kind of, you don't realize this, he's pretty, I think he's like 70 something years old. He doesn't look like it at all. He's got the same hairstyle, same sunglasses, <laughs> wearing the jackets, got the megaphone. Yeah. And uh, he's, I guess, being Hogan's good buddy will keep you in the business for a while too. But I don't want to say that because he's a good, he was a good manager. And my sister used to hate him when I'd watch. She's like, oh, that guy's so annoying. I'm like, yeah, I hate him too. <laughs> Makes sense now because he's supposed to get us to hate him, which right. is tough to be now. We, we, my friend and I have talked about this as far as actual heels or bad guys in wrestling in the WWE specifically. And the only two true bad guys like heels like really good ones we can think of right now in all of the wwe are the miz and charlotte like everyone else like kevin owens he gets cheers aj styles he gets cheers you know who else is, is the heels right now i mean they there's people that just everybody hates like nobody likes the miz everybody nobody likes charlotte either because she's a bully yeah and the same with the miz you know he might be getting you know some marks pumped about his talking smack show but 
even still, when he does the Daniel Bryan kicks, everybody boos him. So they're both kind of throwbacks to not wanting to be liked, doing just enough good matches, but not being super, super cool in the ring where everybody loves yeah, it, you know? right. And then I, th- I think, I don't know who else I can think of as a, as a bad, as a heel right now in wrestling, like a true heel in W. I used, I'm not saying in wrestling, but in WWE specifically. Yeah, there's... I mean, you got your good guys, your baby faces, and then there's just, I guess the, the cool heels. Yeah, and that's kind. Of, I guess tr- Triple, H Triple H is pretty H. good. Yeah, but, but still, he's still a like people are like. All right, we still look Triple H. He's the best. Stephanie, nobody likes Stephanie. <laughs> I kind of like her. Yeah, but I mean, did you watch Raw last night? I did. Where she fired Mick Foley and yeah. was booing her. And that was. I, I mean, I just like her because she's hot. But <laughs> really, did you watch her on Up Up Down Down? No, I I kept wanting to click it because when I'm watching stuff on YouTube, it's Mm -hmm. on the side of recommended videos. You get to see how she actually is, like a person. Because to me, I I see two Stephanie McMahons. I see her, the character, and I see her, the businesswoman at those charity Mm -hmm. events. And then her just as a regular person, she's a pretty likable person. Like, oh, okay, she's cool. Yeah, she's joking around with Woods and telling stories about her kids and and all that. So it's it's, about interacting with fans. So anyone hasn't checked it out yet, check out the Up Up Down Down channel and check out Stephanie McMahon playing. I think they play Streets of Rage. Yeah. In this whole re- reality era with behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff, it's really hard to be taken as a true heel. Like I just, I watched that uh, The Miz, my son's uh, super WWE superstar. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Is it good? <laughs> it's funny because his dad just goes and just says um, – you know, Miz was was never that good at stuff, or you know, he was about average. He's like, well, Dad, what do you know about average? <laughs> and his mom is always like, Oh no, my Mikey, my Michael is great. He's this, he's that. He's above average, <laughs> not not great, just above average. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So when you see guys interacting with their parents or with their friends and having a good time, even on Up Up Out Down, it's hard to separate the character and the person when after you get to know them as a person, then you're watching them act. I, think, I still think... <laughs> I think Stephanie's good enough, though, where I still hate her when she's on TV. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people that are, are better at, at portraying a character. This is staying on WrestleMania topic, which is not forgotten matches, but I'm assuming you watched SmackDown last week with yeah. where AJ attacked Shane. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. Like I didn't expect that, and it was amazing normally, how aggressive he was with him. Normally, when there's beatdowns, it's like you know, the, uh, like the fake punches. His yeah. kept going, and I also liked it where there weren't agents to separate away because it wouldn't make sense for them to all be around him. Yeah. He's in the back by himself. Right. I'm not going to nitpick the fact that there was a camera in the car for some reason, and I get maybe it's security, right, for that viewer. Sure. But yeah, I thought it was really well done, and it kind of sold me on the match. Yeah, I think it's that's the show stealer this year. I hope so. I hope that. That that match is, is as good as, or better than what we expect. Yeah, I think it will be. Speaking of awesome matches, I'm going to go into my next forgotten match. And it was from WrestleMania 17, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. And it was this was the story about them each trying to make each other tap out to their submissions. And I forgot how funny slash creative I'm a heel Kurt Angle was I'm starting mm-hmm. to notice now with you know the Hall of Fame stuff and the clips I'm going to play a clip here of him walking out and and kind of cutting a promo on the on the crowd there in Houston it's hilarious and a representative of all 50 states it's no secret 
that I'm not a big fan of the state of Texas. And I saw your little flag, people, and it's missing about 49 other stars. And to be honest, I'm glad I'm having my match here tonight, because tonight I can illustrate a point. Chris Benoit, even these 65,000 bull riding, beer billing Texas Yeehaws know that I have never and will never tap out to you. Oh, and by the way, people, lose the freaking cowboy hats. You're not seven years old anymore. Please. And what I liked about that clip was, especially the end of the line, is like, enough with the cowboy hats, people. You're not seven years old. <laughs> and then I think in my head, one of the funniest things, it still makes me laugh every time, is when Austin gives Kurt Angle the little boy's the cowboy little, little hat. baby hat. <laughs> He's just like, we look cool. <laughs> like, that run, they need to make a DVD set of just Kurt Angle's run with Austin where they're both heels and when him when he's hitting on Stephanie and yeah. Kurt Angle's so great and I'm so glad he's he's got to come back and it sucks that he left and was he's actually been gone from WWE more than he was there. But that was such he was so funny. Like everything he did made me laugh. Yeah. When I watched this match it it was so good as far as just pure wrestling. Mm-hmm. It, just more Matt wrestling than yeah. it was drop kicks, jump, uh, jumping over the top rope, all that kind of stuff. And it's just reminded me of how much more wrestlers add to their arsenals. When you strip it down, then you just have like the the cool mat wrestling like that Benoit can do and or Angle can do. Yeah. And this one was cool because they both started mat wrestling and then Angle's like, fuck this. And he punched him <laughs> in the face. And Heyman, who's the announcer, is like, he just turned this into a brawl. And they go back to wrestling a little bit, back and forth. The finish is kind of fun because they before the before the finish they both get each other to tap, but the refs out. But Kurt Angle does kind of a roll up and pulls the tights, just a classic heel move. And the crowd's like, "Wait, wait, what?" I think everyone was like fully expecting Benoit to win, uh-huh. but Kurt Angle re- rolled him up. And this one gets forgotten for a couple of reasons: one, it's Chris Benoit involved, so WWE's not going to advertise it; and two, Angle has known for different WrestleMania matches. I think we talked about it last week: the two out of three falls. Angle versus Jericho versus Benoit, IC slash European title. I think that one is talked about as the forgotten match, but now that everyone still talks about it, it's not. And then at 19, he had his match with uh, Lesnar, which is kind of his most famous WrestleMania match. Yeah. And then he also had the awesome match with Eddie Guerrero, WrestleMania 20, where I love the finish of that match where with the the boot. Remember that? The finish? Okay. I was going to talk about this. So the finish of WrestleMania 20 this will lead into your next match anyway, was Kurt Angle versus Eddie Guerrero for the title. And Angle's, like, really working the ankle on Guerrero. So Guerrero, to, quote, relieve the pressure, unlaces his boot. And Angle gets him the ankle lock. Eddie Guerrero slips out of his boot and it hits him with – and Angle's like, what the hell? Holds the boot, hits him with a roll-up, and he gets the win. So okay. it's a cool little awesome I'll watch match. that one. Yeah, it was good. <clears throat> or rewatch it. I might have seen it. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I just – like I said, I'm constantly watching fake sports, so I have yeah. a constant memory of this stuff. <laughs> well, like the Benoit angle, I thought was cool, the ending, because the ending, there was no like finishers involved. It just kind of came out of nowhere, roll up, yeah. pull the tights, it's over, which I don't, we don't really get that much anymore. I wonder, I think that's because the, the crowd's kind of trained a little bit. We're like, okay, we want finisher, finisher, big move, oh, kick out, and Okay, now we're ready. What's the finish going to be? The yeah. la- we, we're ready. What's these last five minutes? 
And the roll-ups are kind of hard to get the crowd in. Even this one was a little dead when he hit the roll-up. Like, wait, 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 what? What? There was no big pop or boo. Yeah. It was just kind of, wait, what happened? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, great rat, wrest- rat wrestling. Matt, <laughs> Matt wrestling match that turns into a brawl. Great storytellers. Awesome, hilarious clip of Kurt Angle cutting a promo on the crowd. We, I just touched on the WrestleMania 20 Guerrero angle match. So your match is also from WrestleMania 20. Yeah, also WrestleMania one. 20. I forgot about this match. It's not even that long. Um, maybe six, seven minutes, five minutes of wrestling. Yeah. But the mat wrestling is pretty good. And at the time, it was more lingerie matches or bikini matches or Halloween costume matches, like where everybody's just sexy. They were they're just stripped down, barely naked. So to have these two, and I think they're pretty too conservative. Are you going to tell wrestlers. what the match is or... What? You didn't tell us what the match is. No, no, not yet. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I was reminded of this match because I don't know if you watched Table for Three, but there was a Table yeah. for Three with Alundra Blaze, Molly Holly, and Ivory. Okay. And Molly was saying how she got into this match because she went to Creative and said, I want to do, instead of a laundry match, because that's what it was supposed to be, she says, I want to do put my hair on the line, like have my hair shaved. Maybe she knew she was going to lose and thought it was better leverage to get something changed to that magnitude rather than just wrestling around in lingerie. Um, but yeah, the match was pretty short. I thought, I thought they worked well together because building up Who's to, in the match? Oh, Victoria and Molly <laughs> What's Holly. the match? Okay. Victoria versus Molly Holly for the women's yeah. championship. Okay. Correct. Molly's hair versus Victoria's title. Okay. If Victoria, now you can talk about the match. People know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so if Victoria wins, Molly gets her head shaved. If Molly wins, she gets the title. So, I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot about all that. <laughs> so, the match was pretty good, and at the end, Molly loses. She's trying to do um, Victoria's finisher, gets caught, rolled up, and pinned. Molly tries to run. Victoria chases her down and then throws her in the barber chair, straps her down. I don't know why or who the hell <laughs> puts these straps on barber chairs, like around her chest, then around her um Well, her originally, wrist. when I was watching it, Molly tries to get Victoria in the chair because she beats her up, but then Victoria gets out of it. Yeah, but she didn't even get to the point to where she strapped her in. No, but she yeah. did get the clippers out. She did. But just that whole moment I thought was just surprising because i never seen her just a woman get her head shaved like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened again in WWE. Serena, that's the only other one. Yeah, but that wasn't a match, right? She, like, volunteered. No. Yeah, she volunteered. But the... to, to see a bald woman, <laughs> you know, lose a match, or a woman lose a match like that and become bald was pretty funny. And then afterwards, she would wear uh, wigs with a chin strap, probably like how Angle did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> those, about those that when he wore funny. the headgear. Yeah. Yeah. So this match, I watched it. Like I said, it's short. But it, it fe- I wrote the note I have here is it felt like a men's match, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a good way, in the sense that it wasn't slapping. It what which is what a lot of what you saw at the time. It wasn't hair pulling. It was chops. It was punches. It was kicks. It was wrestling moves, mm-hmm. which is like you said, kind of out of the ordinary at the time. They even had a lingerie match earlier in this ca- the same card. Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> But I thought the match was good. Just the way they sold the matches, they executed the uh, the, the moves, not the matches. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I thought they were they wrestled really well. Yeah, and Victoria, who is in the match, is going to lead us into our interview here with Carrie. And Victoria, like I mentioned before, owns the Squared Circle Restaurant in Chicago. And Carrie has his own uh, burger on the menu. It's called the Squared. I think it's called the Carrie Pizza Burger. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in the area, you can definitely check that out. He also 
is going this year to all the events. I'm, I'm trying to pull up his, his Twitter handle here. I have it, but I want to make sure I get the right one. Uh, okay, so Carrie's Twitter handle is at WWE SQD Circle Guy. So at WWE Squared SQD Circle Guy. He's posting a lot of his pictures, his memories from WrestleMania, and he's posting his, you know, his agenda for this year. He's a super nice guy. If you if you're going to WrestleMania, you see him. He'll be in the black squared circle T-shirt. He'll be front row, hard camera side. You'll see him with all his, the right the, the regulars. He gives some stories about the friendships he's made. Gives some stories about the new people that have come and gone, the new timers in the front row. It's a little interesting club, but he also talks about the fun that is WrestleMania. So here's Kerry talking about his WrestleMania experience. All right, guys, now we're going to stay in Chicago and go to Kerry. Kerry's in line. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, most of you probably know Kerry, even if you don't know Kerry, because as you're watching WrestleMania or other pay-per-views and you see a group of fans ringside, he's always front row with those guys in the squared circle T-shirt. And that's his nickname on Twitter, at Squared Circle Guy. And, Kerry, you've been to every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 17, right? Correct. Okay, so how long have you been a fan of wrestling before you went to your first one, which was WrestleMania 17 in 2001? Uh, Mid-80s. I grew up in Dallas on the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. Okay. So you got you got a different perspective because I've talked to a few different people, some from Florida, New Orleans, Chicago. What what Are you from Chicago now? I mean, I live here now. Yeah, I've, only, I've been here about nine years. What brought you up here? Grad school. I, I went to Carolina for my undergrad and got bored with it and went to Phoenix. Didn't care for it, so I came here for my grad school, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. And you're right in the middle now. For If you're traveling to shows, it's a good central hub to travel all over the country, too. Oh, definitely. All right. So I've got a ton to ask you because you've been to so many WrestleManias. I don't want to ask you your favorite one off the top of your head, but let's stay with, let's say, last year because it's the most recent. Okay. Uh, last year was in Dallas, and you were there. You were in the first or second row, I'd imagine. Uh, first row, yeah. Of course, hard camera side, squared circle shirt is always easy to spot. Of that particular event, what's one moment that stood out for you as a as a veteran that have been there so many times? The size of that place and crowd was just anything. I've, I've just when I as soon as I got down to my floor to the floor. And you look up and you see just how massive that facility is and the crowd once everyone came and filled in. It just you can't beat that. And having grown up in Dallas and going to house shows since the eighties, they couldn't draw shit. I mean, there just shows even with Hogan on the card, it looked like a TNA show. Mm-hmm. So they stopped coming to Dallas, the market was so bad. So to go seeing it from that all the way to over a hundred thousand in that building was amazing. It's interesting you point that out because I, I had someone on who went to Dallas and I said you know, everyone told me how impressive that stadium was, but I've never been blown away by a building from, from when I walked in there and saw that. And the reason I asked your perspective, being so many, because my wife went last year with me for her first one, and she was blown away by the size of it. So because you've been to so many and you've, you've actually got a unique perspective, because everyone else I've talked to have only been to the giant stadium shows. You've been wrestling as they're just at the small arenas, the Allstate Arena, the Staples Center, even Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the huge, giant stadium, or do you prefer the smaller arena? I prefer the huge, giant stadium, especially for Mania. It belongs in a huge facility like that. I think it's just it's an extra special event for the fans and for the crew working their butts off. We worked their butts off all year to perform in front of a huge crowd like that. It just makes more sense. That, that show should stick out above any other co-branded or solo brand pay-per-view. Yeah, and 
the the point of the show is it's the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I started it because a lot of people, I was listening to so many shows and just people being negative and complaining about the product and complaining about everything. Mm-hmm. Now, are you the type of person where it doesn't matter what the card is to you? You're you're obviously going regardless, but are you more pumped or less pumped depending on the card or is it depending on the city? Like what, what factors into you for your excitement level for the show? You know, it varies. Some, sometimes it's a city. You know, for me, it's a big reunion for a lot of my friends who come overseas just for this one event mm-hmm. versus the ones that are stateside. Um, sometimes it's the card, too, depending on what they have. I mean, but just being there, you know, in front of that huge crowd, you know it's going to be something special. Whether it's, the, you know, no matter the card, it's going to be something special and something different than your, than your Raw or SummerSlam or something like that. Yeah, and I, I pointed this out to people. I've been at you know, nine, ten WrestleManias. I've never been disappointed by one, regardless of what the card was. Like WrestleMania 27 and in WrestleMania 32, people were complaining about the cards, but mm-hmm. I still had a great time, and that's kind of what I encourage people to go to. And now, you look on Reddit or, or other forums, people are complaining about the rumored card, not even the final card. Exactly. Oh God, they're going to complain no matter what. I mean, you could put CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan on the card as the main event, and they're still going to play. And you give them. There are people last year who. When they got found out they were getting front row TV side for Mania 32, we're complaining about that. No way. Yes, they're complaining about that. I'm sure you wanted to smack him if you heard that. That's ridiculous. I did, yes. I was like, you know, as many times as I've been front row, I still don't take it for granted. I'm still very grateful that I can afford to go every time. Mm -hmm. And and I don't want to ask you, I'm not going to have you give away your secrets for getting front row tickets because people, I've always said in forums, like, how do they get it? I mean, I've I've never done it because it just financially wasn't feasible for me, but I'm able to pull them up sometimes. You just have to be right on there and ready to go. It's not you have a to special keep thing. Yeah. Yeah, you have to keep trying. A lot of people just give up after one or two tries. You have to keep going and you go on. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes to an hour. And the way sometimes they release tickets, they may not release them at the preset, maybe the general sale, or maybe they may wait a half hour to an hour when the when the madness has calmed down to release more seats. It's just you got to be persistent. Now, you know, none, of, none of us are paid plants. None of us know anybody, have any connections. The WWE doesn't pay us there for anything like that. So, that, that always makes me laugh that WWE would pay people to sit in the most expensive seats. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they do use seat, feeler, seat mm-hmm. fillers in the upper deck, mm-hmm. but not on the floor, unless they really have to, but not in those seats. Yeah, maybe there'll be celebrities or something, but usually those people aren't even hard camera because that's distracting for the live audience watching on TV. You're seeing like exactly. Ronda yeah, they Rousey put, them, the they put them on the other side or behind the announcers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're going to these shows, you said it's a big event for you and your friends. Um, from either either across the country or overseas, mm-hmm. do you find that when you go to WrestleMania, as compared to other events, it's a huge community of people. It's it's not just we're going to the show and we're leaving. No one's nice to each other. It's it's everyone's just nice and it's a huge community of people. Do you did you see that or do you feel like that? Oh oh, I've seen that, and it's amazing how the circle of friends expands. I and mean, when some people stop coming or they skip a few years, you have others that come into the circle and it just grows more and more. And a lot of us, we still keep in contact. You know, almost daily basis via Twitter, Facebook, or what email. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, we all get together. We're all planning. You know, in for Orlando. You know, what all we want to do afterwards? Where we want to go eat? Where we going to hang out? Do we want to go meet certain people? You know, th- do this or do that. It's not just okay. See you. Th- see you in your seat, and that's the show. Bye. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's back in Orlando again, and I went to the last one in Orlando. Have you been to the stadium since it's been remodeled? Since it was last there in two thousand eight. Uh, no, no, I have not. Okay, because I'm interested to see how they're going to do it, especially with the set and everything. Apparently, the the capacity is a little bit less, but they're going to have a little more flexibility with the set. 
Well, it looks like they added some seats on the end where the set will be, but they took off some in the upper deck. Looks like yeah. I could, maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, they definitely are, are. They definitely added some seats going almost all the way up to the stage. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure how they're going to do it. It'd be interesting if they're going to still shoot pyro off a boat on the lake behind the stadium like they did in 2008. What's been your favorite set that you've seen at the WrestleMania you've attended? Because like you mentioned, it, WrestleMania is a big spectacle. It's not your standard. Raw or SmackDown or pay-per-view event. So every year they try to do something different. What's been your favorite that you've gotten to see the favorite overall set? The set overall, it would have to be, and this is a close call. I'm going to have to say 29. Very unique, very well done, very creative. Mm-hmm. That was probably the most advanced with the, with the Statue of Liberty and, and the Brooklyn Bridge literally across the set. That one to me was, is probably up there. I think other than that, I love 27. I love the huge WrestleMania sign they had up there. Yeah, that did, at first it kind of looked bland until it started lighting up. It was like, oh, okay, this looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And then the, the light-up floor and everything like that, that was just exactly. amazing. That definitely helped. Yeah, at first it's like, eh, what is this? And then you see it like, oh, that looks cool. Another thing I want to ask is I've asked everyone so far that have been on that, ha- that got to attend WrestleMania in New Orleans. Luckily, everyone I've talked to has, been, has sat in different sections of the stadium that night. So when The Undertaker lost, what was your floor – row section what was everyone's reaction like shock you could hear a pin drop in the building um it's weird it's like when he hit the 35 i thought okay this is it they're ending it and then when you actually when i actually saw the three count i started dropping f bombs so i knew they were going to put the camera on me because uh-huh. <laughs> um, i thought maybe someone messed up and then i was like you were actually going to do this i mean i get it but i don't get it um you know, I, I can't. I can't. You know, it's something I just can't go back and watch. Honestly, really, really. Serious? Yeah, I just can't go back and watch. I don't know why. I just can't. Plus, I mean, knowing that he had a concussion through the match, you know, he, he looked sloppy and loopy. I kind of feel bad for him having that accident during the during the match. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's but at the same point, as I told people, it's it's a moment that they're going to play forever and it's going to live forever. And it's yeah. not every year that you get the WrestleMania moments or the rest that WWE always always pushes. But that year, we got a bunch of them. We got Daniel Bryan winning, Undertaker losing, Austin, mm-hmm. Rock, and Hogan the ring at the same time at the Silverdome or, or Superdome, whatever you call it. <laughs> You're pulling a Hogan. I am. When you go, when you go, do you get a travel package where you do the whole deal? You do the access and the Hall of Fame I, and everything? Yeah, I do I do the package. It just, it just makes life easier. When you go to the access stuff, do you have any good stories about meeting any cool wrestlers or do people recognize you? Hey, you're always in the front row type of thing? Uh, you know what? I say I didn't really get mechanized much during 31. I did during 32 because I went to almost – that was the year I did too much. I did almost every VIP access mm-hmm. meet and greet, which, which is too much and wore me the hell out. So I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not doing that this year. Yeah, you got to pace. Um, there's – I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, a lot of it's kind of pretty standard in meeting. I mean, I, Undertaker, I'd say, was cool because I brought him a picture. I had signed it. It was him and Paul Bear, and Paul Bear had signed it years earlier. Mm-hmm. So I brought it to him, and he started, like, tearing up a little bit and choking up a little bit about it. Because it just this is just after Paul had passed away. Yeah, and it was pretty cool because Undertaker and I actually we have a mutual friend back in Dallas. Uh, Small the world. Guy, <laughs> Small yeah, it is. World. And, the, and the guy told me, and I didn't want to call him a liar, but I was like, you know, do you have any proof? But the guy told me back way back in the '90s, he's like, yeah, I'm the guy that trained Undertaker and the Godfather of his oldest son. And it, and I brought that up, and he's like, yeah, that's true. This is, you know, this person is. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, do you know his sister? He, she just passed the cancer. How's she doing? How you doing? And then. The, the people who are running and try to push me off the stage, try to get me going. He he yelled and said, "No, hold on, I'm still talking to him. Leave me alone." <laughs> yeah, well, you're not going to tell that's the Undertaker. Cool. Yeah, yeah not that's like kind of cool. Taker wanted to keep talking. We were talking about our mutual friend back in Dallas, and you've you've got stories for days. I'm sure we could be here for hours talking about all the different 
stories and, and moments you've been there. What I have my favorite WrestleMania match I've ever seen. Do you have a favorite or one or two you've seen live? Or I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have one or two that completely stick out as like this is the best one I've ever seen? If you take in all the factors, not just the pure technical aspect of it, um, you know, Hogan and Rock was amazing just for the atmosphere alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't beat that whole that whole weekend. Everyone was just all about Hogan and Rock. And then when Hogan did his, you know, his, his old spiel, you know, hulking up. I mean, I'm on the floor and I look all at people in the in that very top row jumping up and down, screaming. Everyone's yelling and it's just the building shaking. And it's just that's a moment you couldn't beat. Uh, another one. Uh, when Benoit won the belt in 20, mm-hmm. that's a that's a match in a moment that you know everyone's happy, hugging, crying, just so happy for it. Um, it's interesting. TLC, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. TLC two was good. I was I was lucky enough to see both TLC one and two. Mm-hmm. That was another great one. Yeah, they just they just keep piling up. I'm sure in your head, it's it's funny you brought up the Hogan Rock match because i got to talk to somebody that he attended wrestlemania 6 and 18 and he was talking about how toronto they call it bizarro world or whatever because everyone does what they do but he said all weekend and all week in toronto leading up to it the whole crowd was all about hogan so he he knew that was going to be the reaction Did oh you, yeah i mean you oh yes I, I was lucky um i arrived on a thursday for the eight 18 and i by chance, I happened to stay at the same hotel as the entire crew, so it's kind of cool. Interesting stories, seeing them all, the entire crew, you know, in and out of the elevators and yeah. the hallways and stuff, and and just walk around the city, and then you know, going to the fan convention stuff back when access was very affordable and yeah. in some ways more fun. In some ways, honestly, um, people were just definitely very pro Hogan, anti Rock for the most part. You might find some Rock fans here and there, but most of them are pro Hogan. And I, I loved rewatching that match because they didn't hesitate they they went with it and everything was organic in that match and we were talking about today's show i recorded about wrestlemania moments and to me that's pretty much one of the definitive wrestlemania moments and jr calls it on the commentary he says this is a wrestlemania moment you could feel it oh you could definitely oh yeah like i said they were they were smart enough and had the balls enough to call an audible and they mm-hmm. knew what to, they were close enough to do it yeah and i i think people have said or you know Indu- innuendo and rumors and all that about oh they knew this was going to happen i'm like i don't know man it seems like they were calling it as they went and i'm sure hogan said right, i'm going to hulk up now or i'm going to do this now so that makes it special to me too and you got to be there which is awesome oh yeah and i, I think jim ross said that yeah they called an audible during the match i think rock and or hogan have admitted that that they kind of did that during the match they they felt the crowd and they realized okay we need to change gears yeah and they there was something similar to that with the rest of me looking at each other moment again when Rock and Cena faced for the first time in Miami. They mm-hmm. they kind of stood each other and, and did the head turn and I think was an homage to the Rock Hogan match. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. When, when we were talking about that on today's show, the Rock and Cena match, we were talking about how when we started the match, we're like, there's no way Rock is going to win. It make no sense for the Rock to win. Did you think that the Rock was going to win that match? Did you 100% assume Cena was going to win? Because that's another amazing build and amazing match i was kind of you know i i could see it going both ways i i had a gut feeling he might win because i've heard rumors that there's never a rematch the following year mm-hmm. and they're potentially doing a third tiebreaker at mania 30 so i thought okay i could see rock winning here it's his hometown you know send home send that kind of that hardcore crowd base home happy because i mean people were it was like a like a mosh pit party in there i mean people were just going crazy when he won and yeah. like a rape. it was just amazing i mean the one dude next to me in the front row was Prozina, but at least he was like, okay, I give it to the Rocky one. And 
Um, was the guy next to you in the front row that getting like the all green Cena stuff? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember because mm-hmm. my friends and I were watching him because he was the only one there that wanted Cena to yeah. win, at least in that in that shot. So good for him he for sticking to his guns. And I meant to ask him. I said, "This must be your first time going," because he couldn't understand why the crowd kept chanting for Daniel Bryan throughout the show. The yes chants. That and just chanting for Daniel Bryan after that after that squash match, and every time people chant Daniel Bryan, he he'd be a lost. He lost. It was like, dude, that's not. They're chanting for him because they they know he got shafted out of a good match. They screwed him over by losing in a squash match. Yeah, people would have been okay if he lost the match. They just didn't want him to lose in five seconds or eight exactly. seconds, whatever it was. And exactly. What's interesting? I missed that match. I was in the bathroom. Like, okay, I'll go to the bathroom during their entrances, and I heard the bell ring. What the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, that was definitely a shock. Yeah, but hey, it, it launched. It that was the start of probably launching Brian into the eventual main event of WrestleMania 30. So it all worked out for him. In the end, oh, definitely. And it's it's sad that his career ended when it did, but I think the Daniel Bryan story at WrestleMania 30 to me was probably the best told story, unintentionally or planned or not, that WrestleMania has ever had. So all the ones you've been to, what's I guess the most emotionally invested you've ever been? while being there for a match? Uh, that's a tough one to say. Hogan and Rock was one. Mm-hmm. Benoit, Triple H, Michaels would be another one. And then probably not until 28 with Taker, Triple H, and the Hell in a Cell, and then Rock and Cena, the first one. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Daniel Bryan in, in the main event. The you, you We said the, the Benoit match at 20. My friend and I, the one show we did, we did we did the top WrestleMania main events of all time because it's tough to do the matches because very rarely the main event's the best match on the show. Mm-hmm. And at 20, that triple threat match is, I think, the best triple threat match there's ever been in WWE history. But also, as far as main events, that's one of the top main events ever. Oh, exactly. Is, is that going to be your best overall main event that you've seen, or is one kind of stick above that? Uh, I'm, I'm going to put them all, you know... Some can be around the same level, you know, same for different reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Some just for the excitement, just for just for seeing, you know, you know, I you know, Icon versus Icon Hogan and, and yeah. Hogan and Rock. You know, seeing like Rock and Cena go at it, which is which was great. Seeing Daniel Bryan triumph and d- having Dave Batista yelling at the fans next to me saying, Hey, your mom sucks my dick. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You can see why he, he's, he's not very, very TPG when fans heckle him at ringside. Really? Mm-hmm. That is See, these are the only stories you'll get by being there with the, with the interaction with the wrestlers. When you're when you're at WrestleMania compared to other pay-per-views and other other TV shows you go to, do you, I, I kind of asked you this in the beginning, but I wanted to follow up on it. You said there's kind of a community of, of your friends that, that kind of sit ringside with you and things like that. When you are at WrestleMania, you probably get a different crowd sometimes, people that are there for the first time. When I what I notice is I'm at, at a raw compared to a, a regular pay per view compared to WrestleMania is at WrestleMania there's no like swearing at each other or no guys getting super drunk trying to start chants like it just seems like people are in a much better mood. Are you did you find that when you go there? Yeah, I, I'd agree overall. I, most people I say are, are in a better mood. Um, you know, you sometimes just know that negativity that'll always be there. But overall, people are in a better mood. They're excited because it's just it's the big event of the year. It's the one you're waiting for. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I mean, you definitely have some people there for the first time. Most like most of my friends are sitting there with me, like in the front row or the second row. We're all kind of there on the on the TV side. You're and, the vets. Yeah. <laughs> and do you see? But, yeah, you definitely have your first timers there too, and it's kind of it's kind of it takes me back to when I went to my first ones. Like, oh, I remember my first one and what it was like. And mm-hmm. do you see yourself ever stop going to these? What is there an end goal inside, or just going to keep going till you can't anymore? I'll keep going till I can. At one point, I said, you know, maybe I'll just go to 30 and stop. But it's like, you know, I'm having too much fun. And, you know, and 
I'll keep going, you know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll stop at fifty. Yeah, right. That'd be a good one to end. Just keep going until you can. I'm I'm probably going to have to miss this one this year just because of we. I have a one year old and it's just it's just not working out. Plus, I really really want to go back to New Orleans because that to me was the best WrestleMania city I've ever been to. Where oh, I, absolutely! Everything was in walking distance. Yeah. Every, everything. WrestleCon, Access, Hall of Fame, Raw. Mania, the you know the hotel they put us at, mm-hmm. the bars, Bourbon Street. You've seen some wrestlers, you know, coming out of bars, walking along Bourbon Street, and yeah. I mean that's just it's totally different. I mean, like I said, that's the that was the best one. Didn't need a cab except for to and from the airport. And mm-hmm. yeah, we were talking about that. How with my friend who went to New Orleans with me, he's like, it was awesome. Right after WrestleMania, everyone was in a good mood, and they went to mm-hmm. Bourbon Street and kept drinking and hanging out with their friends. It was awesome. It was, oh yeah, and even just see people who weren't wrestling fans. You know, or just catching on to the chance and, you know, doing stuff in the street and, like, you know, yelling for Daniel Bryan or doing the Cesaro punches in the airs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, people you can tell they were wrestling fans, like, ah, what the hell? This seems like a fun idea. I'll join in. And when, when I first started going, my first one was 23 in Detroit. WrestleMania, when it came into town, didn't, it took over a little bit, but in recent years, now WrestleMania completely takes over where there's wrestling t shirts everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's, you see random indie wrestlers over there, shows everywhere. There's WrestleCon, like you said. There's a million indie events. When did you see that starting? When you because you started going at 17. When did you start seeing? Okay, they've taken over the town. Probably 27, 28. I started really started noticing it more and more because mm-hmm. I know I know for for they stopped doing access from 20 to 24. They didn't start. They stopped access after 19 because it was so horrible, and then they brought it back at 25. Yeah, they started. They started doing Hall of Fame at twenty, and they did uh, bagels, bacon bicep brunch. You know, uh-huh. sometimes with a package only. Sometimes it was you know something that any fan could buy a ticket to. And then at twenty five, that's when they started doing access back again. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it's awesome that they take over the town because you like you like we we've been saying. There's a community of fans and a community of people that. Uh, I was talking to another guy about this, and he was like, you know, sometimes wrestling fans get mocked and picked on or whatever, but when you're in all in one place, everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody. You can go up and, and shake, like, hey, nice wrestling shirt, then a conversation will start, and you'll make friends, and you'll, like, hey, let's tailgate together or, or do this or whatever like that. So, well, yeah, And you can't argue when, this, when, a, when a company, when, when an event that people mock and think is for, you know, poor white trash Brings over a hundred million dollars for a weekend. You can't argue with that success. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the stereotypes don't exactly aren't match the dollar amount that comes in. Oh no, and those ticket prices aren't cheap either. Nope. I mean, that, only people realize like, oh, they they cost that much. Like, yeah, and they sell out pretty damn fast. So it's basically the, they're basically it's it's more affordable than the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. it's on that same level. Same level, same level. Yeah, at some point it may not be as you know mm-hmm. this this you know it probably won't be at the Super Bowl price level, but. Mm-hmm. Well, what's also That's nice is, is a family can go. You, know, you, you might sit way up top, but if you want to bring your kids, you can mm-hmm. get fifty buck, fifty dollar tickets for what's turning into an eight hour show. So you get your money's worth. Well, yeah, and I'm happy that shows extended for the money we pay. I mean, hell, let's hell bring extend it till midnight one in the morning. I'm fine with that. I got yeah. nothing else to do. Make it a two day event, right? Well, why not? Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all day. Anyway. So you you go to the NXT stuff then too with your packages, right? Yeah, we got I've got Hall of Fame, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. When, when you in Dallas, the NXT show was probably when it really went in the map because at 31 it was just kind of a house show. Yeah, just a house show. Yeah. Did when Nakamura's entrance came out and that match was just amazing. It stole the weekend. The Nakamura Sami Zayn match. Did you know any of Nakamura's work or anything like that before he came out? Or are you strictly just a North American fan? No, I, I no, I, 
I don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of other stuff, but I, people, people like that, when they say you need to watch this stuff, I'll go and watch the stuff. So, I mean, I was still, I was still like, like, oh my God, this guy's so awesome to see live in person, but I knew some of his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's but- also an interesting side fact. That same building is the same place where I had my high school graduation back in 98. So it's kind of, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different atmosphere of being back there after almost 20 years. You have just small world stuff with a guy that knows The Undertaker to being back at your high school graduation place. Who would have ever mm-hmm. thought that? Exactly, yeah. And I think this year they're they're switching it around where Hall of Fame's Friday and, and uh, NXT Saturday. Yeah, I think that's going to be the brand new thing for now, which, which makes sense because if you're going to use the same arena for basically three nights of similar settings, it's easier on the production crew and everything else. Mm-hmm. And plus the wrestlers don't have to stay up till like midnight, one in the morning, the night before Mania, listening to Hall of Fame speeches. They can yeah. get some rest, go to the stadium earlier, do what they got to do. Yeah, I don't think people realize how much the wrestlers are working at night before the shows. I think the WWE Network had the special about Dallas. Yeah, and they two or three in the morning. Yeah, they're they're doing rehearsals for, for entrances at two in the morning. Like, holy crap, they got to be up in like three hours for the biggest show of the year. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully with this switch, also, it's, you know, they won't be required to go to the NXT show. Maybe they can do stuff earlier at the stadium and maybe get some more rest. Now, one more question I have, or I, we'll see. But every year, it's, every year WrestleMania is, is outdoors. I'm always thinking they're rolling the dice with weather, and they've, oh, yeah. been, they've been so lucky. What do you think they'll do if it's there's a big downpour of rain at WrestleMania in Orlando? It's not another question yeah. to rain in Orlando. Well, I mean, I got remember for 24, um, at least from my memory, if I'm correct. I know they sold ponchos. Mm-hmm. I know the, the ringside seats are covered. I remember Lillian Garcia, was like, kind of like, hey, one minute to go. Then all of a sudden, I felt a few drops. Like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. Then it, just, then it just stopped, and they got lucky. It was definitely cloudy and windy. So, yeah, I mean, like, the, t- the ticket says rain or shine, so they're going to keep going somehow. Yeah. And then, uh, What do you think about the possibility of it ever coming to Chicago at, like, Soldier Field? Do you think that's a, or no dice because yeah. of our, our weather? Our, our weather, I mean, especially because you're right on the lake, that lake of wind is just, you know, it's too risky. The stadium's too small. They, you know, they, you know, they, they've sent out letters to hotels and they, cause they're asking about if they were potentially bringing Mania 31 to Chicago. They said, Hey, could, could you, to hotels, could you handle this large event if we had this stuff at the convention center and Soldier mm-hmm. Field and stuff? The hotels were about it, but the city wasn't willing to deal. Oh, well, so maybe soon. I, that's, all, that's a bummer. I'm now I'm kind of upset that I know that because that's a bummer. Because that'd be well, perfect. I mean, I, They've been walking yeah. since McCormick places access, which is across from Soldier Field. Hotels right in the South Loop. You can walk to Museum Campus. Uh, it'd be perfect. Yeah, I just I think it's definitely much more risk. I think people don't realize that new the one in New Jersey wasn't as much of a risk because it's so far in and the weather is normally warmer than us anyway, especially at that time. It's not as big of a risk versus us being right on the lake. Yeah, it's March 14th today and we got about five inches of snow, so that gives you an idea of the weather. Oh yeah, I mean I, have. I've been out in it all day. It goes from blizzard to sunshine to blizzard weather, like you're in a walking like you're in a live live snow snow globe. I mean. But the Undertaker's entrance in a snow's fall would be pretty awesome. Let's, let's oh, that would that. yes, that, that would be awesome. Yes, I, I would that I would love to see. But beyond that, no, we can do without the snow. We talked about today uh, another show we recorded. We talked about more moments, and I mentioned my favorite Undertaker entrance of all time, which was WrestleMania 29, where the hands were kind of grabbing up at him. Mm-hmm. And the Undertaker's entrance is something I I think every at WrestleMania I think everybody should see, and it's running out of time, people. So if you haven't gone, go this year or next year. Do you have a, a standout Undertaker entrance at WrestleMania that th- that stands out to you? Um, from the ones I've been to live? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 20 was special because he came back as the dead man with Paul Bearer. Yeah. Um, and and it's kind of funny watching them as the Druids came out, part of the stage caught fire, and they were panically trying to put it out. Oh, really? 
<laughs> yeah, I think if you go back and watch, you might see some guy with the fire extinguisher quickly trying to put it put out there at the end of it. Uh huh. Yeah, that, um, and then that was well, kind of cool the, because, like you said, he was the American badass, and that you're right. That was the first time he came back as the Dead Man Undertaker. So that was cool. Uh, Twenty one. I said with the Druids, it's always cool to see that. Um, yeah, twenty one was the one where like he looked like he was floating, if I remember. Yeah, they had a little cart there. Yeah, you could see him. If, you know, when I was there, you could look back in the stage because the small arena, you could see him getting walking onto what looks like a little cart, a rolling cart. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty two. You know, twenty two was good. Twenty three. They all are pretty all, good. They're all good, right? <laughs> yeah, so they're all good. I would say probably twenty nine would be with the um with the hands coming out. Mm-hmm. And then when he did the the raising of his arms for the lights, pyro went around the entire stadium. So. I'm always yeah. interested. I'm always super impressed with the production that the WWE does every year. It seems like they get better and better. Oh yeah, bar none. Yeah, and this, of course, him 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 coming out at night versus you know California, which I mean, people I think some people don't realize that with the time being on the East Coast, you know, maybe the first hour might be light, but after that's going to be dark. So take her come out, it'll be dark. You mm-hmm. could have the droops or whatever. And yeah, they tried as much as they could. There was the second to last match, but I mean, you know, it's still six o'clock in California, so it wasn't going to be too dark yet. No, nah, so they did the best they could with what they had, which I thought they still did a great job. Do you have any like just random funny stories or cool stories out of all of your? Just pick a random story that you have, like oh, this match or this moment, or I got to meet this guy. Anything at all you want to tell us about WrestleMania oh. since you've been there so much? Oh, uh, I definitely, well, I definitely WrestleMania 18 being the same hotel. You, I mean, I literally met. Everyone except Vince McMahon, because I, I got close to him. A security guard pushed me away. Um, yeah. You see, so you, so you the second guy. So the guy I talked with it went to Toronto. He met Linda McMahon. So, yeah, I met Linda before the Rumble 2001 in New Orleans. I got to my seat early. She's out there talking to one of the Hebners, and I said, "Excuse me, aren't you supposed to be comatose in a wheelchair?" <laughs> and she just laughed. And, but she was very nice. She's like, "How are you doing? Where are you from? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do? How long have you been a fan? What brought you out here? Thank you for coming out." And she, she was pretty sweet. And Shane McMahon was pretty cool too. And so was Stephanie. But I've ne- Vince, I never met. Mm-hmm. Well, you still got to meet a bunch of, you know, awesome people for being a, that close to the show and sharing the hotel with them. Oh yeah, it's just random. It was, it was just, I, months earlier, someone I said, "Someone, hey, you've been to Toronto." I want a hotel that's in the walking distance of the Sky Dome. What do you recommend? He's he said this and yeah, I walk in to go to go to the lobby to check in. And who who just finished checking in front of me was Hall Nash and uh, X Pac. I was like, oh, they're all staying here. This is pretty damn cool. You've got so many awesome just little random things that keep coming up. So I love hearing those stories. Oh, I got a ton of them, especially from that weekend. What? It, but, well, we'll end on this question. What's been your favorite WrestleMania event you've been to? When I know that's going to be tough. And what's your second favorite? Um, just in t- just the show itself. Start every. Start do, how about we'll do your whole trip, like the whole, the whole trip. trip. Yeah. Okay. Because like um, we've been saying, it's not just the event; it's the whole weekend. You know, because I like Atlanta wasn't my favorite WrestleMania, but it's one of my favorite events. I got to see Michaels go in the Hall of Fame. We got to meet awesome people. We met Edge and Kevin Nash and X Pac and Road Dog at the Georgia Dome that night. So we, that's that's one of my favorite ones, just because of the whole weekend. I would say, um, I know it's tough. Yeah, eighteen and twenty are definitely up there because Toronto's a fun city, and twenty is my first time in New York. Um, trying to think. Uh, well, how about this? I'll give you a second to think about that. What's one city besides Chicago that you wish WrestleMania would go to? It's on like your bucket list or wish list of cities that it'll go to. Keep in um, mind, we have to have a stadium for it. Oh yeah. Um, if if we're talking North America, I would say Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, anywhere in the world, uh, London. I think there's a lot of people online that are begging WWE to come to London, but with the time that's, zone, that's, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Maybe, it, maybe a summer thought, having, having talked with Triple H at the Performance Center last year, and I got to meet him and hang out with the crew there. Oh, did you do like the uh, the Performance the, Center like thing? The tour, yeah. How was that? He, that? Tell us that talk about awesome. that. Well, finish your Triple H story, then, then give a little bit of story on that. Finish your Triple H story really quick. Well, he made a surprise appearance because they are all in town for the Rumble last year. You know, we all did it. We all got to do our own interests and climb in the ring. And as they're talking to us, all of a sudden his music hits and he comes out and does his whole entrance for us. And he's like talking, hanging out. Then we go upstairs. We get to have lunch with him. And, you know, I've asked about, you know, people are asking about that. And he said, you know, it, it's a Vince call. He said, if it's my, it's, if it's my decision because we have the network, it'll happen. But right now Vince is dead set against it. Well, the good news is, is Vince is known to change his mind quite a bit. So there's still hope. Oh, exactly. I mean, I, I could definitely see WrestleMania 40 being in London at some point because you have the network. At some point, I, I think it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because we're not dependent on pay-per-view buys anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I think it'd be okay in the end. So go back to your performance center tour. This is the one in Orlando, right? Yes, and then we get to do that again as part of the package. Which I'm looking forward to. Is it like as awesome as everybody says it is, and everybody talks oh, yeah. about? Oh yeah. Do you ever do you ever watch the show Swerved on the network? Yeah. You remember season two, episode two, where we got swerved? Yeah, where there was the guy pranking everybody, and the and yeah, Brock really, Lester yeah, guy that, got, that was supposed, got pranked. That was supposed to have been me. He tried to plant the phone on me originally. I didn't fall for it, so he planted on Brock Lesnar guy. Oh, you should have, you should have just played it off. You could have been on the network. You could have been a star. Well, I didn't think about. It. I, I'll say this guy because he was acting so weird. Him, I, I don't like holding other people's phones or tablets or computers, and that right there is one example why. Mm-hmm. So he quickly had a plan on Brock Lesnar guy, and I. I somehow knew it was a rib, and I told everybody, I said, you didn't have me fooled one bit. I told, like, Enzo and Cass and mm-hmm. Bailey and all them and, and Test, Albert, or sorry, Albert or um, Tenzai. I was like, you know, you didn't, you didn't get me with that. And I, and I explained to them how where your, where your thing fell, where, you, where the cracks were in your plan. Uh-huh. And a, a friend of mine that's a referee there said, if you go back, you need to watch your back because they're going to get you. If they remember that, they're oh, going to try Oh, that's you. true. So keep an eye out for that. I know. I was like, ah, crap. <sighs> I love that episode because Sami Zayn was getting so mad at the guy going up at the ring. Oh, he was. Oh, man, yeah, he was. Other people were too. were getting pissed. And the guy was acting weird. Especially he tried to do this weird groping hug to Bailey, and she felt so freaked out and weirded out. <laughs> and... Well, I'm glad you got to experience all this stuff, and I'm glad you came on to share a bunch of your story. So I really hope – that WrestleMania this year is awesome. I'm, how are you feeling about the card this year so far? What's been announced? I I think it's going to be great. You know, um, they may not be they may not have that Daniel Bryan moment, but you can't have it every Mania, honestly. But I think overall it's going to be a great show, and they might pull out maybe they'll pull out a surprise like they did with Seth Rollins at 31. You never know. I think people need to give it a chance. You know, could, if you know if you that if you really think the product sucks that bad, stop watching it and there's watch ton- something else. And there's a ton of alternatives for you to watch too right now. Exactly. That's like I tried to explain to someone one time. I was like. If you went to a restaurant and they had lousy food and service, would you keep going back all the time just to fill out a complaint card? No, you'd go somewhere else. Same thing. And I think people and I think people stick with it so much is because when wrestling is great and when a culmination of a great storyline is told, it's better than any movie or any TV show out there. It just is. It's just better. Oh, I agree. And that's why people yeah. stick with it so much. Oh, yeah. And I find it funny. The people, the stuff we see now, like the longer matches and the less skits and promos, you know, Back in the Attitude Era, people would always bitch and whine about how, oh, there's never long matches. It's always interference. There's always talking and skits. We never get matches. Well, now we we get kind of the opposite. Oh, I wish it was back in the Attitude Era. I wish it was this. I wish it was that. It's like a lot of the Attitude Era, to me, was predictable as well. Mm -hmm. 
And, I mean, especially 1999, that was a boring year for me in wrestling. So predictable. Yeah, it was just pretty much the the role to get Austin the belt. But the promos yeah. were great and everything, and the characters were great. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's what's missing. Is I think sometimes it's missing, but I think they're definitely getting better at is the character development. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, you, it's funny you mentioned people always kind of have rose-colored glasses about the past, and I was watching uh, Superstars from 91 and 92 recently, and mm-hmm. they're rough to watch because they're squash matches, but they're like seven, eight-minute squash matches. They're rough oh, to exactly, watch. Oh, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 10 years from now, people are going to glamour for this at some point, which was back this. So, yeah. I mean, that's just... You know, we're we're spoiled right now with the amount of great actual wrestling matches we get every week. Oh yeah, and the talent they have now, the amazing the workers they have. I mean, yeah, we are definitely beyond spoiled. Yeah, and there's always surprises at Mania. Even at 32, there was the Wyatts that came out for the Rock, and like you said, 31 with Rollins and 30 with Undertaker losing. There's always surprises for people. So for people crapping on this, just either one, don't watch, but two, keep an open mind and and try exactly. to see what happens. You can crap on it afterwards if you don't like it. But at least watch it first. Exactly, yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks so much for coming on, Kerry. Kerry, you want to sh- show your Twitter account or whatever like that? Sure, yeah, it's uh, WWE SQD Circle Guy. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or WWE Square Circle Guy is my Instagram. Yeah, and I'll, I'll retweet this. The show will be out next week. And like I said, people listening, if you don't know Kerry, you do know him because he's front row, Squared Circle T-shirt. If you're ever in Chicago, definitely go to the Squared Circle restaurant. It's Basically, the funnest place you can be if you're a wrestling fan you want to eat. Oh, and the food's so amazing, too. You can't beat it. And a guy I talked with last week, he got to, he got he had to skip WrestleMania 31, but he made it. He lived in St. Louis, but he'd said, he's like, well, i got to do something. So he drove up to Chicago, went to the Squared Circle restaurant. And I think there's still tickets available if you want to reserve a table for the show mm-hmm. this year. Which I think $20, is, yep. Mm-hmm. Which is a great idea because that's always the big problem of going to a bar or something for an event. Here you've got your table reserved. You get there at five, four o'clock, five o'clock. Your seats there. You're ready to go. And there's TVs everywhere. TVs everywhere. Tons of great food. They're gonna give out prizes and stuff all night long. So yeah, it's definitely a fun atmosphere. Yeah, check out the Squared Circle. So again, follow Carry on Twitter at Squared Circle Guy, and look for him. He'll be front row camera side in the Squared Circle black T-shirt. Looks like the Chicago flag. So check it out. All right. Thanks, Carrie, so much for coming on. All right. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. All right, thanks, Kerry, so much for coming on. Again, please follow him at WWE SQD Circle Guy at Squared WWE Squared Circle Guy. Also follow on Twitter the Squared Circle Restaurant, which is the SQD Circle, the Squared Circle. You Google this stuff, you'll be able to find it. He's he's one of the super fans that probably isn't as known as you think. You know, everybody knows the Frank the Clown and the Brock Lesnar guy and the guy in the green shirt. He's always there with him, but he's not. I guess in the, as the limelight, like as the, as Rick the Scott, Rick the sign guy, the guy in the red hat always has the signs. But super fans, I actually got a dub argument with someone online. Don't ever argue with people online, stupid. About people saying, "Oh, people paid for these. They're paying to get these seats. They got connections." And I'm like, "Go back and watch these old things on the network. You'll see the same people in the front row in the '90s, in the '80s. There was Vladimir. There was the guy that dressed like Hulk Hogan. There's a couple." A husband and wife, it looks like. They're both in, like, neon tr- neon windbreakers, like a pink yeah. and a yellow one. Those people were, have been there. We just didn't know them because there was no Twitter. So you, they weren't – you couldn't find who these people were. You'd always mm. like, who is that guy? <laughs> now you can find out who that guy is. <laughs> right. But thanks so much, Kerry, for coming on. And uh, he's from the Chicago area, so I'm sure Backlash is coming to Chicago in May. And I'm probably going to go to that, so I'll say hello to you there, Kerry. Nevertheless, for I win some WrestleMania contest, which – Crossing my fingers, you never know, because Mick Foley does his rain raffle every year. Yeah, 
and I'll probably enter that and see if I can win the, the ultimate like WrestleMania prize. So I guess we're ready to go into our next of uh, the Forgotten WrestleMania matches, and I'll go into it's actually one of yours, but I have a lot of notes on it. Okay. It was Kane versus The Undertaker WrestleMania 14. Okay. So what do you got? You, I'll let you start, and we'll kind of go <clears throat> back and forth on this. Uh, WrestleMania 14 leading up to it, it, it was a long build. Um, Paul Bearer came out maybe the summer before. It started in October, or like September. Uh, Probably in September. I think a little before that, because um, well, well, Kane didn't debut until October. No, Kane debuted, but I think his, Your Brother's Alive was in September. Yeah. Okay. So he comes out, tell, tells a long story to Vince McMahon on Raw, how Undertaker set the funeral parlor, funeral home, funeral parlor, whatever it was, Yeah. that they lived upstairs, and Undertaker set it on fire and thought everybody died, but... Undertaker comes on. He's like, you shut your mouth. He's <laughs> like, like, but Kane told me. Kane told he's me. He's a liar. <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember Undertaker that. Undertaker yeah. was like, oh, my God. He was shocked. Like, I didn't, he didn't believe it. So then Bad Blood, right? Hell yeah. In the cell Hell in the Cell. Um, in the middle of the match, Kane comes out with uh, with Bearer. It's, yeah, it's the end of the match here where he's about to beat Michaels. Undertaker's about to beat Michaels. Yeah, and with the, the tombstone. Then the lights go out, and then... Kane, we see the first Kane. That's right. gotta be Kane. Right. Kane <laughs> Vince McMahon goes nuts. <laughs> I don't know how many times he says it, but Kane comes out and he just looks like a destroyer. Like, who the hell is this guy? Did you know at the time he was Isaac Gankum no, slash Fake Diesel? No way. I didn't either. <laughs> so he comes out. The dude is huge. He rips the door off the side of the cell, goes in. Undertaker doesn't want to fight him. I don't think he made it clear at that point, but he made it pretty clear when he wasn't fighting back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just socking Undertaker. I think he drops him with a tombstone, right? Yep. And he leaves. It's just amazing how huge they were when they were standing face to face. Yep. Good storytelling. Yeah. And then they keep going with the story where Undertaker refuses to fight his brother. Kane like smacks him down and Kane goes on destruction spree. You know, he, it's Vader in the head with like a wrench, beats mankind. It goes like keeps sets some guy on fire, yeah. <laughs> and on the ramp and kind of goes off this. Well, they do this little back and forth like dueling lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah, like they have power. Like they set like yeah. the uh, where's the Kane's table. power now? <laughs> I don't know in some libertarian boardroom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, under, uh, Kane would always interfere in Undertaker's matches mm-hmm. to piss Undertaker enough to where he said, you know, I'll walk through hell to fight you. Yeah, you skipped a little bit. I did. It's okay. But if you can jump in. I will. Okay. So do, I was super bummed when this happened. Pumped slash bummed. So when Undertaker was getting beat up by DX, Kane came out, cleared house, and helped the Undertaker. And he goes on top of the ramp, and they both did the kneel like oh, they yeah, do each yeah, other. Yeah, like, right. it's, it's some kind of bond. And I'm like, yes, yes, I like this. I'm in. Royal Rumble happens. They have the casket match, Undertaker versus Michaels for the title. Kane comes out and essentially murders the Undertaker. I let your casket on fire, burning him alive. Obviously, it didn't actually happen. Undertaker's got superpowers, so he got out. I was bummed that Kane turned back against the Undertaker. (laughs) Were you? Mm -hmm. I remember being shocked when they opened up the casket and he's not in there. Yeah, that was... Where did he go? Yeah. It's, you know, magic, illusion, all that crap. And then they have the awesome moment on Raw. It's on the network. If I remember the link, I don't know off the top of my head, I'll tweet out the date of this segment where Undertaker's on a casket, a lightning bolt hits him, he sits up, and he says, I was gone telling my parents I would do the thing I never said I would do, or something like that. Uh-huh. And then Kane does the fire, and Undertaker walks through the fire on the stage. I will walk through the fire of hell to face you, Kane. There we go. 
And then they have the match. What's, you could take it from there. The First off the start, what the hell was Pete Rose? How did Pete Rose get involved? <laughs> he was a celebrity, maybe yeah, introducer I get, I, or something. Yeah, I get it, but, but he's, he's shitting on the Boston crowd, <laughs> and then Kane comes out and tombstones him. Yeah, that's probably just to show how unpredictable Kane was. So he just, maybe. Grab, just grabs Pete, St- Pete Stone, <laughs> Pete Rose, and tombstones him. Tombstone or did he chokeslam him? He tombstoned him. Yeah, okay. Uh, the match itself, I thought. Well, let's talk about the Undertaker's entrance. Oh yeah, God, I'm skipping over stuff. Yeah, I'm so nervous slow here. Down. <laughs> slow Undertaker's entrance. So Go. my favorite Undertaker. I don't entrance. know why you're a creepy children's character. Talking, well, I, was slow, but... I was doing slow mo. Okay, go ahead. So <laughs> it's pro- it's it's one of my favorite uh, Undertaker entrances. Mine too, except the songs when the druids come out isn't like the oh, it's like ha 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 ha. Yeah, like that, an that's, epic thing. That's, I didn't like that. Oh, I loved it. Didn't fit the Undertaker. Yeah, well, I think I like that song because I'm, I'm an Ozzy fan. So Ozzy concerts used to start off that way in like the okay. late '80s and late yeah late '80s, and just it just seemed so. I don't know, overly dramatic and epic, and like something is, big is going to happen. This is probably his first big, big entrance. The only one I can think of was WrestleMania 9 when he had the vulture and the chariot when he was outside, but that was outside yeah. during the day. But this is like his first like epic entrance for WrestleMania. Yeah, so it was just amazing. Maybe 20, 30 druids come out with uh, their torches mm-hmm. and just making an archway for him to come down. Yeah, and then the match starts. What do you got? Just, I felt like this was the biggest threat to Undertaker. I you did. thought he was going to lose, potentially? Yeah, I thought Undertaker would lose. I thought he... When I was watching this live, I didn't. But when King kicked out of the second tombstone, I was like, all right, I don't know what's going to happen there. And I liked this match because the finish, when Undertaker pins him, he does a traditional pin. He's like, oh, God. And he freaking drops Kane on his head twice. I don't know if Kane was too heavy or uh-huh. something, but those tombstones are rough on Kane. Yeah. Three tombstones, right? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. t- taking him. That's what he beat him with. Yeah, just everything that he starting off the match. Undertaker punches him, faces does, doesn't phase him. Punches him again, doesn't phase him. Everything he's doing to Kane doesn't seem to be good enough. So I think he has to change his strategy from what he did to opponents previous to Kane. So you're thinking in kayfabe terms, this is like the logic of the match, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the storytelling, really, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just to overcome that, I thought was it was good. It, it, was, it was it was good. It was it was, it was a great it was a great story. I actually looked back and looked up like ratings for this match. People didn't like it. I don't know why. I thought the story was amazing. I thought yeah, it was up right up to the line of being silly, and then stopped right there because mm-hmm. if it wanted a little bit more, like you know, with the lightning control and the fire and all that, but it was just enough and both these guys play their characters so well that you're okay with it right um but yeah i mean we can move on to the next one if you have anything else but the only thing else i'll say about this match is it's pretty slow moving as far as the uh, in-ring action but i'm i was never bored watching it like it was it was a good match from start to finish i thought from from entrance to finish yeah great match for me all right so i'm gonna go to my next one which is kind of a silly one. It's the Bushwhackers versus the Fabulous Rougeos uh-huh. at WrestleMania Five. Did you watch this one? I watched it, yeah. Okay. Because it's a short match. Like, yeah. I can watch 10-minute matches in between things I'm doing. Yeah. But if they're 30-minute matches, i got to figure out when I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's just like it's just a silly match because 
I, I loved the Bushwhackers when I was a kid. I still do, like with their, their moves, their arms. They were hard there. not to like. Yeah. And the crowd loved them. They come marching to the ring. The yeah. Rujos were just easy to hate. This is just a fun, classic good guy versus bad guy match. Yeah. Everyone, there's no in between. I hate these guys. I like these guys. <laughs> and like, there's lots of silly bumps. Like the Rujos get like headbutted. Like, like, oh no! And they're hugging each other. Like, get away from me! <laughs> and Jimmy Hart at the beginning of the match, the uh, Bushwhackers try to tear off his jacket and all that. Yeah. It's just, just a fun match. It's like you said. It's like I think it's like six or seven minutes. It's just a fun little match and that's why i picked it and i guarantee this is this is one that most people wouldn't have ever thought to watch again some of the other ones their title <laughs> matches you know their king undertaker yeah. um they're not necessarily forgotten but they're not talked about as much this one's just completely out of, out of left field i picked yeah and i think it's because when i was a kid i loved watching it a lot well when i rewatch it i remember watching it when i would rent videotapes and stuff like that so i remember just little things from the matches, and I forgot that they won because to me they they always lost. They did, <clears throat> at least on pay per view, they always lost. Yeah, they always lost on superstars and when the jobbers, of course, they'd win. But you know anybody with a name, <laughs> they would just lose to. Uh-huh. So it was cool to see them win. I'm like, oh my god, they won. <laughs> and then afterwards, they go up the aisle, start licking Sean Mooney's face in yeah. his head. Yeah, there's not a ton to break down in a six minute match between two character tag teams. But we were talking about earlier, straight baby faces, straight heel, straight good guys, straight bad guys. Yeah. This I, is your this is your match to watch. When I rewatched it, I was reminded of when we were doing the um, entrance or entrance music uh-huh. about the All American Boys. Yeah. And now it stands out to me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers. Which yeah. which um, what's your next one we to <clears> talk about? Um, CM Punk and Chris Jericho. I thought was a really good rivalry between the two of them. This one, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's Jericho's music now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I'm just gonna play this in the background. You gotta pull it back. There you go. <laughs> but Jericho was gone. He was doing some stuff with Fozzie and dancing with the stars. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> You're not. Like, no. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You can talk about Jericho now. Go ahead. So just Jericho coming back. And this just, is 2012. Yeah, 2012. Um, it is. Yeah, 2012. You don't have to look. It's 2012. I but know. WrestleMania 28. Um, yeah, the buildup of this was really good. I liked how Jericho came back and pretty much just put CM Punk down saying he's a copycat. Um, that Jericho's the best in the world. Uh, CM Punk is just a... Jericho's the best in the world at what I do. Yeah, right? that's. I think that's where it kind of came from after he said that. Um but just the promos between the two, I don't remember too much details from the promos, but I mean, both men were just amazing on the mic. This one gets forgotten because this is the same WrestleMania as Roxena won. Yeah. That's why it gets pushed to the side. But Jericho trying to be the true heel, he comes out and says, well, one, you're a copycat. <clears throat> you're straight edge because your dad's an alcoholic. What do you call them? Jericho wannabes? Yeah, Jericho okay. wannabe. Um Oh, his dad's an alcoholic. Your sister's a substance abuser, and you know, just <laughs> just taking personal attacks on him. And then maybe a week or two before WrestleMania, they're in uh, Monday Night Raw talking back and forth with each other. And CM Punk is like, you know, if that's all you wanted, that's all you had to say. You got the best in the world versus the best in the world. WrestleMania World Title. While you're off <clears throat> being a rock star, you know, I'm here being the champ with swimming with sharks. And that's all you had to do is come back and ask for a match. All right, you messed up the line. So the awesome line is, 
I've been out here week to week swimming with sharks while you're out dancing with stars. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so the match, you can, I get the be, this match was cool because of the build to it, like you said, and it was so personal. And they got around the, well, why wouldn't Punk just freak out and get disqualified? And right before the match, Johnny Ace says, if you get disqualified, you lose the title. Yeah. So then Jericho kind of tries to get him to like hit him with a chair during the match, and it kind of plays a little bit more of the story. Yeah. Well, the match, he says, um, you know, getting trying to get under his skin to get hit with the chair. You know, how's your dad, Punk? How's your dad? <laughs> and he gives him a chair. He's like, how's your sister, Punk? How's your sister? Um, but Dick. <laughs> right. Like, your father. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what about your father? Um, but the match itself after that, I, I thought was really good. The counters were awesome. I liked when... Uh, I think he goes for CM Punk goes for Hurricane Rana uh-huh. off the top rope because Jericho's sitting on the top rope. And Jericho turns it into the walls of Jericho. He drops down and then tries to sit on him. Well, he does sit on him. and Not like Earthquake sat on him. <clears throat> no, not like Earthquake. <laughs> or Yokozuna sat on him. Um, yeah, and this one he does the actual walls. You know, He puts the knee in the back of his neck which is like impossible to get out of. The lion tamer. Yeah. That's what I always call it. Well, he used the walls initially when he came in, but then he did do the lion tamer. And the uh, the original edit of this is probably on Daily Motion, but when Punk wins, he has the Anaconda device on Jericho. He screams, tap out, you son of a bitch. They edit it out of the network. It just says tap out. Uh-huh. So if you can find it, it's kind of a cool little... I think when I was there for the show, because the mics are... Or the mics, the rings are mic'd up a little bit, so you can pick up a little bit of what they're saying if they're screaming not if they're just talking to each other and you can hear that from where i was tap out you son of a bitch yeah this one also if you ever have a chance pick up the punk best in the world blu-ray it's not in the network it's not in the dvd it's like a behind the scenes day in the life of cm punk at wrestlemania get you get to see him you know before the show after the show talking rehearsing his entrance and there's a funny little moment where punk's like you know, my entrance is straight. I don't have pyro. I don't have this stuff. And like a second later, it's like, hey, Pum, go to rehearse your pyro. <laughs> He's like, oh, I guess I'm getting pyro. <laughs> also, he was pissed at his trunks that day. He just wanted red and black, but the person had a green to it, so he was pissed. Oh, really? That. Yeah. It's a good story. Yeah, just a little little tidbit. <laughs> what, do you have anything else about the match? I mean, you just said just you look. It seems like a lot of stuff you like is the build and the story. As yeah, I'm more of a build match. and story than match, yeah. I'm both, but I think I could have. I like the intricacies of little ma- of matches, but I think mm-hmm. if you don't have a story, a good match is going to be tough. That's why, like this past whatever Wrestle Kingdom was, Okada versus Kenny Omega, amazing, great match. I thought it was fantastic, loved it. Had no idea what the build was, mm-hmm. so that's why to me it wasn't the greatest match of all time. Like people said, because I know the build. It was, just, it was an awesome match, sure, but at the end of the day, they're pretending to have a fight. And if you're pretending to have a fight, you have to have a reason why this is happening. And I'm sure there was one. I just didn't know what it was. And that is all I have to say about that. (laughs) Okay. So I got my next one, which is Roddy Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania 3. That was a fun one to watch. Did you watch the – did the one you watch have the – like the pre-match build? So this one did – this one I I didn't – I was obviously too young to remember the watching week-to-week stuff here, but this was like a build of Roddy Piper's retirement match, which is hilarious to think because this is in 1987, and he kept wrestling until 2000. He was wrestling in 2009 at WrestleMania against uh, Jericho, ironically. But he went away to do movies. Yeah, he did. He did They Live and a few other movies, straight TNT movies. <laughs> He's like, this isn't working out. I got to yeah. go back to wrestling. Came back to WrestleMania 5. But... 
this build was pretty intense. Like they beat the sh- him and um, Adrian Dawson, Jimmy Hart, like beat the hell out of Piper, like with chairs and came on its set. And I don't know how it ended up being a stipulation of Adonis's hair, but it was. It's ironic we have two like hair matches here. <laughs> yeah, I mean it might have been because he was effeminate and thought he was pretty and stuff like that. And- Which I think it's it's I think we need a character like that again. A yeah. guy that is not attractive, is old, out of weight, <laughs> overweight, Tucks out of his shape. Gut in his little pants. Yeah, out of shape, wears purple tights. Has like, we need a character like that that yeah. tells everyone, what are you guys talking about? I'm freaking amazing. <laughs> they have it a little bit with like Tyler Breeze, but Tyler Breeze isn't like a hideous looking man. You yeah. know, he's just a regular guy. There's, There's a like, guy on the end of these, Joey Ryan. He does that. But I mean, he's a good looking guy, so it's hard to. Yeah, we need just like a slob, you know? <laughs> like, like Bull, like Bull Dempsey would have been good for that. You yeah. know, when he was Bull Fit and he got released, he's in the Indies now, but he would have been good for that. Right. If he got called up for the, with a better gimmick. But man, such a great heel. Everybody hated him. When Piper comes to the ring, it's, this is one of the iconic, <clears throat> I guess, images they always show. Piper with a big smile on his face as he's walking to the ring and they're like, this is a retirement match. And people are like, please don't go, Roddy. Don't worry, he comes back. <laughs> but we didn't know that back then. We didn't. And they have their match. It's your standard good guy, bad guy match. Bad guy tries to cheat. Piper ends up winning with the sleeper hold. And Piper has Brutus in his corner. He has a professional barber to, to yeah. do the haircutting. And then the I, thing that distracted me with this match was how thin Adrian Adonis' tights were. Like, everything was, <laughs> like, you could just see balls hanging. His, his belly is tucked into it. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Maybe that was the part of the reason. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it was and, like a negligee of material. <laughs> see-through. Right. But it was ridiculous. But I've got to say, Adonis was super agile for how yeah. fat he was. Because he does that, uh, Piper uh, Irish whips him into the corner, and he does that, like, you know, bend down, flip over the top, or yeah. put out to the bottom. Like, how do you do that when you're 400 pounds? And he's not, like, you know, proportion leg, like Braun Strowman, like a huge guy. He's just, yeah. like, all middle. Right. And he's... From, from knees to nips, he's just <laughs> nothing but fat. Is he still alive? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to look up and see if Adrian Adonis is still alive. But, yeah, his gimmick, just we need we need another guy like him. And he had, like, the Bowie, like, purple eye. Yeah. I, I, one of the notes I put, he's just such a great goofball, but he was also dangerous. Yeah, like, super dangerous. Yeah. Almost on par with Goldust. Goldust could play that character and then turn on you in a minute. <laughs> but Adrian wasn't playing, uh, like, a, a homophobic character. He was just being... I'm, a, I'm attractive guy. He wasn't playing gorgeous George. No, I, I see what you're saying, but I'm just saying there were two sides to you know how he how he could act. Looks like he's still alive. Let's check here. Wait, hold on. Pretty sure. But how? No, did he it... died. Holy shit! He died in the next year. <laughs> he died in '88. Oh damn. Okay, well, sorry. Rest Kill. in peace. Sky point to Adrian. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> He had an awesome, we're, we're giving him a lot of praise in his last year of life, so. <laughs> I'm talking about his balls hanging out. <laughs> I say he's a great heel and a great character. We, we need another Adrian Donis character. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like, I was like, hey, he's still alive. Died in 1988. <laughs> oh, God. How did uh, the barber get involved? Other than being I don't uh, know. a barber, how did he get I involved? I think in that's this? it. But Hyper was put like a help wanted sign for the barber. <laughs> I think he was pretty, I think, uh. Brutus is feuding with Jimmy Hart, some like somewhat. So that's how he got involved. Maybe in it. like a dream team, him and Dusty or something. I don't remember. Dusty I mean, wasn't they were there different. yet. No, Dusty wasn't there yet. Dusty didn't well, come I mean, until him and Valentine. I meant. Yeah, well, him and Valentine. They, they, he wasn't the barber. I think they changed his gimmick. Yeah. 
that, so this is like a little side story I have about producing his, his gimmick. So he was talking about, he was on, I think, Colt Cabana's podcast. And he talked about how originally they pitched the idea of him. He's like, you're going to be a barber. Your name's going to be Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He's like, oh, my God, that sucks. <laughs> and Hulk Hogan's the one that convinced me. He goes, not if, you, not if after every match you cut the guy's hair. That'll get over. And it did. So he's like, you're right. I have to cut their hair. So these jobbers, he's cutting their hair after every match. Yeah. And I think Colt asked him, he was like, did the, did the jobbers get like a few extra bucks if they, for cutting hair? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, they took care of them. And he goes, you know, if they were cool to me and if they were, you know, they knew what they were there for to get me over, I did a good job. Made sure I didn't butcher them so they could easily just get a fixed haircut. Like, if they were dicks, oh, I fucked <laughs> their hair up good. That makes sense. That's what I would do. Yeah, just be vindictive <clears throat> to them. But, yeah, just agree. Oh, also, after the match, I never noticed this before, but a fan jumps in the ring to celebrate with Roddy. He's like, yeah, you did it, Roddy. He was so happy to see him. And the cops, like, attack him. <laughs> I and, didn't see that. Yeah, and Roddy's like, whoa, whoa, take it easy. Like, he tells the cops. I think he's always arrested, but... yeah. That kid got kicked out of this. He's got a story. I wonder where that guy is now. I don't know. He's got me dead, too. <laughs> no, we're not killing people off. When I was younger, like, I really liked Barbara. I don't know why. I thought he was cool. He had, <laughs> I had no idea why he had, like, the big lawn shears. The hedge clippers. Hedge clippers. <laughs> I, I just thought Barbers, that's what they had. Because really? I was young. <laughs> I was a young kid. I didn't remember. They were going to the barber. No! <laughs> <laughs> He's going to chop my head off. <laughs> I've seen the barber. They have <clears throat> pants with holes in them. <laughs> And tans and mullets. Yeah, but he was cool. Do you have anything else? Do you have, is that, was that your last match? I don't think you had another one. Did you have another one? Uh, the last one I have is at uh, WrestleMania 16, Kurt Angle, right. Jericho, and Benoit. We talked about it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, triple threat match. Both titles are on the line. The European and the Intercontinental, right? Correct. Well, Angle was both the European. He was the Eurocontinental champion, as he called yeah. himself. And I looked it up. He was the second one. D'Lo was the first Eurocontinental champion. Okay. Just little things I wanted to look up. Um, but <clears throat> I think going into it, he wanted to just defend one of the titles, whether it was one or the other. And he was running around with Bob Backlund at the time. And remember Sunday Night Heat? Yeah. So on Sunday Night Heat, before WrestleMania came on, Backlund comes out and tells Kurt Angle that, you know, I'm the one who suggested that you defend both. And it pissed Kurt off because <laughs> he didn't even want to defend one. <laughs> now he's got to defend both. Uh Kurt ends a relationship, beats up Bob Backlund, puts him in the chicken wing, and then Sunday night he goes off the air and then comes on WrestleMania. <laughs> so originally it wasn't supposed to be both of them? Like up until the day of the show? Was that the angle? Um, leading up to the match, it was, well, up to the match it was going to be both of them, but when everything kind of started, say, I don't know, January, February, it was, he was just going to defend one title. And then Backlund went and told Creative or whoever, Vince or whoever was in charge to that, you know, Kurt, Kurt would defend both of them because he wants them to be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bob's been around forever. He always just kind of comes and goes. Yeah. He's he always a, annoys me. I think that's the point. Yeah. Did when he, he came in, uh, I think around the, even like the Bret Hart period, mm -hmm. like I'm like, who is this old guy? <laughs> he was old then. <laughs> He's almost 80 now, right? He did play an awesome, crazy guy though. Oh Yeah. So he, he did play an awesome, crazy guy. I want to read his book. Apparently his book is pretty, really inspiring, so I want to check that out. Mm -hmm. It's called, I think, Backlund or something. But I can only find a copy that's like 22 bucks. I'm like, come on, dude. Let's get discount rack going here. Yeah. Did you watch this match? Yes. I watched it actually before you told me to watch it. I was watching it just randomly. I was watching WrestleMania 16. I think on Monday night we had a thunderstorm, and it woke me up at like 2 in the morning. I'm like, well, I can't sleep. I'll put this on. So I watched it. I liked it. I thought that... 
both falls were kind of weak in the sense that they yeah. came out of nowhere. I think they had to rush it because it, it may be a 13-minute match. It's mm-hmm. not even that long. Right, for having two or three falls. Sure. Yeah, because with a WrestleMania match, typically at least 20 minutes for you know a good title match, 20, 25 minutes on some of them. But 13 minutes for both. Um, just technically, I thought they were both, all three of them performed well against each other. Yeah. I mean, we can't talk too much about this because I just want people to go watch it because it's hard to explain like a good technical match to people. You just have to go see it. This was, again, Kurt Angle being an awesome character mm-hmm. and Jericho, awesome wrestler, Benoit, awesome wrestler, Jericho, awesome character as well. It's it's. I hope more of Kurt Angle's matches start to get highlighted more now that he's back in WWE. I think they started adding collections on WWE Network, but I really, really want a Kurt Angle like, career DVD set. I really hope they're working on that for him. They've got um, one for pretty much everyone that comes back. They did one for The Warrior. They did one for Daniel Bryan's last match. They did one for Sting. I hope they do one for Kurt Angle. Are they doing a WWE 24, you think? They are. They are. They did, okay. a, they did a preview of it of Kurt walking into Vince's office for the first time, so that yeah. was kind of a cool little clip. They they have a WWE 24. I don't know when it's going to air, but the DVD's out now. It's called WrestleMania Monday, and it's about the day in the life of the Raw after WrestleMania last year when so many people debuted when Enzo oh, okay. and Cass and, and Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin cool. and all that. So it's also a cool set because it's got awesome matches on it. And I was thinking the week after WrestleMania, we'll do like a Raw after WrestleMania review. We'll pick like a couple Raws to talk about or different moments from it. Okay. So, yeah, you can check about, check about, talk about this match as much as we want, but just go watch it. WrestleMania 16. It's hard to find, though, because there's no marker for it on the network because it's got Benoit on it. Yeah. Which is ironic because... The angle Benoit match at 17 does have a marker. It just says Kurt Angle in action. So I don't know why they just don't clear that out. I'm not sure. I remember being upset that Angle lost both. But in hindsight, he went on to win the world title after that. So, And, well, the other thing, there was all their, their first WrestleManias. Angle's first. Benoit's first. Yeah, it was. That's uh, a good point. Jericho's first. That's a good point. And circumstances were different. They'd have three Hall of Famers, but just have two, because I'm sure Jericho will be in there one day as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's all of our matches. You don't we... have any more? No. I don't oh, think so. Yeah, because we had the same one. Yeah, the, okay. the Undertaker Kane one. But other than that, yeah, we talked about some forgotten ones. If anybody is listening, we got a bunch of new Twitter followers and a few new downloads. So if anyone's listening new to the show, want to give us suggestions of ones we forgot about or maybe some of your favorite forgotten WrestleMania matches, Follow on Twitter and shoot me a note to at PPW Podcast. You could also find us on SoundCloud, Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you have a podcast app, hit that subscribe button. You will get our shows. I release it every Wednesday morning. But if you're subscribed, you get it Tuesday night, if I remember to upload it. So that's a little advantage for you. PPWpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. And this week with Carrie, the Squared Circle Guy, at WWE Squared Circle Guy. He's the last interview I have for this project, which started back in February. Unless I get somebody wanting to jump on this week or we get a last-second interview, it's probably the last one before WrestleMania. We got one more show before WrestleMania, and I think next week is just going to be, we're going to talk about whatever we missed, whatever else we want to talk about at WrestleMania. Sounds good. Post stuff, build stuff, any matches. Maybe I'll have a couple friends come on too, and we can do like a four-person show or something like that if they both want to come on. And anything else? And maybe if any listeners want to shoot me an email and give me their WrestleMania memory, because I know it's intimidating sometimes to come on a show, 
at PPW Podcast on Twitter or PPW Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email and we could read your WrestleMania memory on the air. This show went by pretty quick. How long do you think it was without the interview? Uh, 30 minutes? No, 56 minutes and counting. Oh. Told you, yeah. He's still good. Yeah, we're flying through <clears> these. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes, subscribing on SoundCloud, subscribing on Android, subscribing on Windows Phone, subscribing on Nokia 5150s. <laughs> Remember those? The snake? Yeah, I do. Did I you have, have one. Did you have, did you have the fancy antenna that lit up? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, think, I remember them. I had the 5150, and it was a big deal to get. Like, the, you download the ringtones for like four ninety nine. Yeah, right. Like, ding, 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 ring, ring. Now you know they're for free. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. But maybe it was a little better back then. We were constantly on our phones. We were talking to each other. Right. Face-to-face. FaceTime. Talking on the phone. Forrest is wanting us to wrap it up. Forrest is also a third host of the show. She's barking again. I'm sure the mailman's here or something. Probably. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this week. Again, guys, if you want to send in any WrestleMania memories for our last show before WrestleMania, please do. PPWpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week.